we are going to wrap up our series on generosity. And uh, I've actually scheduled this to where it would work out to where I was speaking about God's generosity on our, our Sunday before Christmas. Because my, my sole for purpose this morning is to get us all to see just how generous that God is to us. Especially as we approach the Christmas season, and I'm going to tie this in with the Christmas message at the very end, but especially as we approach this time of year, we need to be mindful. There was a sign out there in the front. I don't know how many of you saw that, but we need to be reminded that Jesus is the reason for the season. It's all about him. It's, that's why we sing these songs this morning. That's why those songs were written. It's all to glorify Jesus, the son that was born to us, to save us. And so I want to take just a few moments this morning. This may go down as the quickest message that you've ever heard me preach, in this building anyway. Um, so uh, just make note of that. We may make history today. But I want to preach on the topic of our generous God. Our generous God. If you have your Bibles, you can open them quickly to the book of James, chapter number 1. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can pull out your smartphone or you can just look at the screen. But I'm going to read one verse to you. James, chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. I just want to use that phrase there as a title this morning, our generous God. And as I said, my sole purpose is to get our attention on how good and how gracious and how generous our God is. And I want to, I want to break down this, God's generosity. I want to break it down into three ways. Now, there's more than these, but three expressions of God's generosity toward us. So there, there are three ways that, that God expresses his generosity to us. And the first way that God express, expresses his generosity to us is through pleasure. Through pleasure. I don't know if you're aware of this, but everything that God has made, he has made for our enjoyment and for our pleasure. The Bible says that he made the heavens and the earth. He made the seas. He made the mountains. He made the rivers, the trees, the plants, the suns, the sun and the moon. He made 900,000 species of insects. Some of those I'm not quite sure about what pleasure they serve. But 1 million species of flowers, 20,000 species of edible plants, 10,000 species of birds, and stars too numerous to count. He made all of these things for our pleasure and for our enjoyment. Matter of fact, the Bible says in James chapter 1 verse 17 that whatever is good and perfect is a gift that's coming down to us from God our Father. Everything that we enjoy in life today, every good thing that we enjoy, everything that brings pleasure to us is a gift from our generous God. Whether you are a Christian or a non-Christian today, whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God this morning, every good thing that you enjoy is a gift from our generous God. He's a generous God. He is a, a gracious God. God made all of these things for our enjoyment. And then after he made all of these things for our pleasure and our enjoyment, God made us his prized possession with five senses to be able to appreciate and enjoy his generosity. He gave us the sense of touch so that we can feel the warmth of the sun on our face and 
and feel a, a, the coolness of, of a breeze that's blowing. He gave us the sense of smell so that we can enjoy those, those species of flowers, so that we can smell the honeysuckle, we can smell a fresh rain. He gave us the sense of taste to taste his goodness in, in multiple facets, to taste it, the, the nuts and the berries and the fruits that grow on the trees, the, the plants, and, and not just these things, but also the livestock, amen, and the, and the poultry, amen. And, and no one really saw that one coming. I mean, who was it that's, you know, walking by a field one day and saw a cow and think, man, it, I bet that would taste really good between two pieces of bread. I who was that? who saw a pig wallowing in a mud one day and think, man, I bet if you cut the rear end of that thing off and smoked it for a few hours, that would be delicious. But yet God made those things for our enjoyment. Amen. I know some of you, you PETA fans right now are probably going to protest, but he made those things for our pleasure and for our enjoyment. He blessed us with the sense to be able to, uh, the sense of sound. And hearing, to be able to hear those, those birds sing in the morning. And, and, and be able to, to hear the, the crickets and the frogs. And to be able to hear a, a gentle rain on a tin roof. Those are, those are things that God has blessed us with. To enjoy. They're pleasures to us. Then he blessed us with, with the sense of sight. To be able to take in all the breathtaking views. To see the mountains and the rivers and the streams and all the things that God has created. Our God is a generous God and He expresses His generosity to us in pleasures. He gave us one another to enjoy. He gave man, woman, and woman, man. He, he, gave, us the upper, he gave us the ability and the, and the privilege to be able to produce offspring so that we could enjoy all of these things. The Bible says children are a gift of the Lord. I know some of you who have teenagers, you're questioning that. But he is, he is a generous God. And he expresses his generosity to us in things that we enjoy and pleasure. Second way that God expresses his generosity to us is through provision. Provision. God told the man in the garden after... After he created, in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, you read about God creating the world. He created all of these things. And everything that God made was good. Everything was beautiful. And, and God put man and woman in this garden, and he gave it to them. He said, this is, I've provided for you. All of this is yours. Everything, God, cre God before God even created man, he created an environment that would provide for man. That would sustain man. That would that would keep man alive and be able to cause him to live and thrive. And he gave Adam and Eve, he gave them everything. And he, the only thing he said to them, he says, I want you to tend to it and I want you to work the land. And I believe that even work was pleasurable and enjoyable until they disobeyed. And it wasn't until after the fall that work became, in my opinion, it became laborious. It became, you know, the, you had to exert yourself and sweat and you got tired from doing it. But before that, I believe that it was all enjoyable. God provided for man. David writes about God's provisions in Psalm chapter 104, verses 10 through 18. And these are, these are some verses I've read, I don't want to say hundreds of times, but a, a lot of times. And just like they were saying before they were singing these songs today, I think all of us, we know those songs, but sometimes we don't really just take in what that song actually means, the message of that song. 
And I think a lot of times, even when we read the Bible, we know Bible verses, we, we know Scripture, uh, but a lot of times we don't really think about what that means. And, and, and I just want you to think about this as I read this passage of Scripture from the book of Psalms, how God provides even for the animals that He's created, how He takes care of things. Watch this. David writes this, verse number 10. Speaking of the Lord, he said, You make springs that pour into the ravines, so streams gush down from the mountains. They do what? They provide water for all the animals, and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds nest beside the streams and sing among the branches of the trees. You send rain on the mountains from your heavenly home, and you fill the earth with the fruit of your labor. You cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth, wine to make them glad, and olive oil to soothe their skin, and bread to give them strength. The trees of the Lord are well cared for, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nest, and the storks make their homes in the cypresses. High in the mountains live the wild goats, and the rocks form a refuge for the hyraxes. And hyraxes are, are little furry Creatures kind of like guinea pigs, if you will. But, but my point behind this is that David is recognizing how God provides for everything. He's a provider. And that's one of the ways that he expresses his generosity to us is by giving us provision. He has provided for us. I read this this week about the sun. The sun's energy warms our planet. It brings rain. It evaporates water from the ocean. And it falls to the land as it cools. The sun powers the winds that move the water vapor to the land. With the sun's energy, plants convert carbon dioxide into oxygen. And yet God created this earth and positioned it at just the right distance from the sun to sustain us and keep us alive. He is a provider. One of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. God has provided for you and me. That's one of the ways, I think we just take this for granted, but, but that's one of the ways that God expresses His generosity is by providing for us. He has provided for us. And, and it's not just the tangible things. It's not just the things that we can put our eyes on, the things that we can touch, but it's also the intangible things that God has provided. Life itself is a gift from God. Breath is a gift from God. The power to gain wealth is a gift from God. The ability to think and be creative and imagine all of these things are gifts from our generous God. The Bible says that it's because of Him that we live and move and even have our being. That's how generous our God is. He has generously provided for His creation. Fast forward from creation a few thousand years and, and you're going to find how, how God is bringing the Israelites out of slavery and He's bringing them into the promised land, a land of provision. The Bible says it like this. It's a, it's a land that was flowing with milk and honey. Now, that doesn't mean literally. That would be kind of weird. That would be like, I think about a cereal commercial. It's just milk and honey everywhere. But it was, it was a metaphor, I believe, for the, for the, for the richness and the fertility of, of the land. That God says, I'm going to give you a land that is going to sustain you. I'm going to give you a land where you can prosper. I'm going to give you a land where you can thrive. I am going to provide for you in this land. 
It was a picture of God's extravagant generosity. But not all of them got to experience this land. It was only those who had faith and who trusted in the Lord to be their provider. Those were the only ones who experienced his provision. And this is where the third expression of his generosity comes in. This is what brings us to the Christmas message today. The third, and I would say the most important expression of God's generosity is his presence. It's his presence. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. You've, you've been hearing this a lot on the radio uh, lately with it being Christmas season. It says, for a child, speaking of Jesus... A child is born to us. You can personalize that and say, a child is born to me, for me. A son, speaking of Jesus, has been given to us. The government is going to rest upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. How many realize that's forever? <laughs> the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies is going to make this happen. As good as God's provisions are, as, as pleasurable as his gifts are, the greatest expression of God's generosity towards us was the gift of his son, Jesus. You can say it like this if you're taking notes this morning, that Jesus is the greatest expression of God's generosity. You want to know how generous that our God is? You want to know how giving that our God is? The Bible tells us that God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son. So that if we would believe in him, that we would not perish. That doesn't mean physically die. All of us are going to physically die. But we know that as Christians, as believers, our last breath on this earth is our first breath in eternity with our God. That word where he says where they're never going to perish, that means that we're not going to be separated from God. But we're going to have ever lasting life. Jesus is the greatest expression of God's generosity. Why? Because if it had not been for Jesus, none of us, none of us would have any hope for eternal life. None of us. All of us would still be sinners who were destined for a devil's hell. All of us. Now, I, I really don't have time to go into this morning, but uh, this morning, but just, just let me kind of share real quickly the reason why we needed a Savior in the first place. And this is something that I'm going to jump into in the first of the year and, and talk about our need for a Savior and the reason why we truly need to repent and have confession and all of these things. Because a lot of people today, they don't even realize why they needed a Savior. A lot of people today think, well, I don't need a Savior. I'm, I'm good. And, and that's the problem. None of us are good in the, in the eyes of the Lord. God created man and woman. He created them as perfect creatures. And he wanted them to love him. So in order for them to truly love him, he had to give them the gift of choice. If he hadn't given them the gift of choice, they would have been loving him out of force or out of obligation. And that's not true love. So he gave them the gift of choice. And with that gift of choice, somewhere along the lines, we don't know exactly how long they went and all was good, but, but somewhere along the lines, they decided that they, they 
wanted something that was God's. God had said, you can eat from all of these trees, but not this one. This one belongs to me. And they were deceived by the enemy, and they chose to disobey God. They chose to sin. And with that sin, God removed them from His presence. God removed them from the garden. Fast forward a few years, and He, he gives them the law. He, he gives them a law for them to live by. And He says, if you can live by this law, you will be holy. You will be made right. But this was a law that none of us could live up to. It was more than just the Ten Commandments. There were over 600 laws that were given for, for them to follow. And no one could follow that. And since, since they had sinned from, from that point forward, everyone who was born was born into sin because now the, the human race, if you will, had been tainted. It had become corrupt. So God looks down and he says, I know, I know what I'm going to do to save the world. I'm going to send my one and only son. And he's going to be born of a virgin. That's why the virgin birth is so important. If he would have been born just of, uh, of a natural man, biological father, then his bloodline would have been corrupted just like ours is. So he was born of a virgin. He was born without sin. I'm speaking of Jesus here. And he not only was born without sin, but he lived a sinless life. He fulfilled the requirements of the law of God. He did what you and I could never do. And he lived a perfect, sinless life. And he died on a cross. He was punished for our sins, for our transgressions. The Bible says that the chastisements for our peace was placed upon him. He took the stripes upon his back so we could be healed. He died in our place. But three days later, he rose again. He conquered death, hell, and the grave to prove to the world that he was indeed who he said he was, that he was the God, that he was the Savior of the world. And when we put our faith and trust in him and we believe upon him for our righteousness today and we, we confess our, our, our lives as, as, as full of sin, we say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I was born in sin. I am not perfect. God, I need a savior. And I know that your son Jesus became the payment for my sin. He became my sacrifice. I believe that he was the son of God. I believe that you raised him from the dead. And I believe that right now he is sitting at your right hand. I put my faith and trust in him. And when we do that, God's presence comes to live in us. And we are covered. We are pure. We are holy before the Lord. The greatest act of grace and generosity, friends, was the birth of our Savior. Let's, let's read a little bit of this Christmas story in Luke chapter number 2. Beginning at verse 8, it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I'm bringing you good news. Good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Anointed One. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize Him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Right there, it's more than just a Christmas story. It's the gracious act. It's the greatest expression of God's generosity towards us. He gave us His Son. 
to be born for us. He gave us a Savior. He gave us the, the way and the only way that we could be saved, that we could be um, um, forgiven of our sins. The only way that we could have everlasting life. His love for you and me was expressed through generosity, through the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as with all of God's attributes, what He is, He is always and completely. Meaning that His generosity is not limited. Humans can be generous for, for a, for a for a day or two. We, humans can be generous for, you know, the Christmas season and then not generous after that. But God's expressions of generosity, God's, God's love, God's forgiveness, God's mercies, there are no ends to those. It is, it is limitless. It is endless. God's mercy and grace and goodness and faithfulness goes on and on and on and on. His generosity is endless. Psalm 36, verses 5 and 6 says this, speaking of the Lord. He says, your unfailing love, O Lord. Look at these adjectives that he used to describe God's goodness. He says, your unfailing love is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. This is how generous our God is, friends. You're talking about faithful our God is ever faithful. His faithfulness goes on and on and on, meaning that He is a God that you can trust. He is a God that is going to keep His promises. His word, the Bible says, the grass may wither, the flower may fade, but His word is going to last forever. Which means, let me break it on down a little further. If you find it and read it in, the God, in God's word, it is still true today. It's something that you can stand on. It's something that you can put your faith in. It's something that you can have confidence in. God is a generous God. He is a loving Father. He says, your, your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. And your justice is like the ocean depths. What does that mean for you and me this morning? It means that no one is beyond the reach of God's great love. It means that no one is beyond the extension of His mercy. No one has run too far. No one has sinned too big for God's grace and forgiveness. It means that no marriage is beyond repair. No sickness is beyond his ability to cure. No heart is, is too hurt. No spirit is too broken for him to bring healing. No addiction is too strong for him to bring deliverance and freedom. Through this gift of generosity that was expressed through Jesus, through this gift of God's Son, he has provided everything that we need. The Bible says that everything that we need that pertains to, to life and godliness is found in Christ Jesus. He's provided joy and peace and hope and forgiveness and mercy and faithfulness. You name it. Everything that's good, God has provided through his Son, Jesus Christ. The one we celebrate every day, but specifically when our, when our attention and our eyes should be turned to this time of year. Last verse. Josh, would you go ahead and come up and get ready to, to sing this last song here? 
I want to read one more verse to you. I just found that, I don't know, as, as, as a pastor, as a preacher, as a minister of the word, someone who's preparing, who's preparing week in and week out, this, this next verse may not speak to you, but it, it's just amazing how the Holy Spirit will show you a verse that ties everything together. And you're just like, oh, God, you put that in the Bible just for me to be able to preach today. That, thank you. But, but watch this. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11 shows all three of these expressions of God's generosity. He writes this. He's speaking of the Lord. He says, you, God, will show me the way of life. The way of life is God's provision. The way it's been provided. He says, you're going to grant me the joy of your presence and the pleasures, watch this, of living with you forever. Guys, we're, we're not talking about just, just making it to heaven. And I know a lot of times we hear, well, what are we going to do at heaven? Well, we're going to sit around the throne of God or stand around and we're going to throw our, our crowns at his feet. And we're going to worship the Lord for all eternity. And I know a lot of times we think, that doesn't sound very fun. <laughs> I mean, some of you have a hard time standing and worshiping for 20 minutes in a a Sunday service, and you're like, man, heaven's not going to be very fun. But yet the Bible says here that you have granted me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. I'm here to tell somebody that it's going to be a pleasurable time to live with our Lord and Savior for all eternity. It's not going to be boring. It's not going to be, so we're not going to be staring at a clock because there are going to be no clocks. It's not gonna, we're not going to be looking at our watches and wondering, man, when is this going to be over? It's going to be a good time. <laughs> Is that okay to say? It's going to be a pleasurable time with our Heavenly Father. All that you enjoy about life has been given to you by God. Everything that is sustaining you right now, everything that is holding you together right now. Think about that. Everything that's holding your life together right now has been provided to you by God. Whether you love him or not, he has given good gifts to you out of his rich generosity. If you're a child of God this morning, he has filled you and he has enriched your life with his presence. And this morning, we all need to be mindful and be reminded of how good our God is. And when we think about that baby that was born in, in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago, guys, this, this is not just a Christmas story. This is the story of hope. This is our redemption. This is our salvation. This is why I can have the assurance to know that when I close my eyes in death, that I'm going to be standing in the presence of my God forever and ever and ever. Why? Because I believed upon this Son, Jesus Christ, that God gave to the world. And so this morning as we close, I just, I just want to do this. This song was on my heart, and it's not a Christmas song. But really, if you think about it, any song about God is a Christmas song because, you know, we're celebrating uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. But, but I asked Josh if he would prepare the song, Good, Good Father. And what I want to do in these, this, this closing, we just, I mean, we, we've got to hurry, but uh, we're going to allow him to sing this. And, and I'm going to ask Christy Martin, I want you to come. We're going to pray for her. She's going to be having a, a surgery tomorrow. Um, Bunny and, and uh, Jamie, if one of y'all want to stand in for Angelina again, she's going to be having surgery, I believe, Friday. Um, 
Mike and Kim, go ahead and come stand in for a little justice again. He had his surgery uh, last week, made it through the surgery. He's, he's doing good, and, and, uh, but we just want to keep praying for him. But we're going we're gonna to spend this time in prayer. And I don't want you to just, just sit back and not participate. If you need prayer for, for anything, if you've never trusted in Jesus for your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that, to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins, to ask Him to come into your life and believe upon Him. But mainly what I want to happen in these few moments as he sings is I want you to think about God's goodness to you and just worship our good, good Father. Can we do that? Let's, let's, let's come and let's gather around these people and let's lay hands on them and believe God for them. And if anyone wants to come and stand in and just pray or if you just want to raise your hands this morning and worship God, let's do that as well. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah. 